The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columns for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to the Solomon Islands today where Pacific Nickel Mines is on the fast track to become a producer of direct shipping nickel laterite ore. The company's focus is on two projects, Colossori and Tejavo, on Isabel Island, which is to the north of the main island, Guadalcanal. Colossori is the most advanced, and given the DS nature of the company's plans, it could well be shipping out its first high-grade ores by the end of 2022 or thereabouts. The company has also created some excitement as of today, actually, by, making, uh, by announcing a big maiden resource estimate at Jejavo. So there's lots of things happening with this one. Now, uh, everyone in this market's pretty au fait with the uh, sulfide nickel producers and explorers over in WA, but we're talking DSO nickel laterite ores here, and uh, they're consumed by the Chinese nickel pig iron industry, which produces a product suitable for use in the stainless steel industry. While much is said about the rise of nickel demand thanks to its use in lithium-ion batteries for electric vehicles and the storage of renewable energy, the stainless steel sector accounts for about 70% of current nickel production, and this is where the DSA laterite industry comes in. Interventions by the Indonesians in their industry and the lower-grade material now available in the Philippines has end-users looking to diversify their supply sources. That's all good news for Pacific Nickel and its plans in the Solomons. The LME price was last quoted at £8.21, which is up by 31% on last year's calendar average. Pacific Nickel trades under the code PNM or Papa November Mike. It last traded at $0.08 for a market cap of $17 We have the company's executive director and CEO, Jeff Hillel, with us today. G'day, Jeff. Welcome to the podcast and thanks for your time today. Thanks, Barry. Uh, Jeff, it'd be great um, for those who don't know you if you could give us a bit of a, a snapshot, professional background on yourself. Yes, um, I've started off as a mining civil engineer and did a few years of doing that, and did the did an MBA and then joined a, a merchant bank in the in the mining sector and did that for twelve or thirteen years. Um, after doing that and becoming an executive director of, of that particular company, went into a metals trading company to help with investments in the mining sector. And through that, ended up um, being involved in mining companies. So now I am now a CEO of a, of a mining company. So it's been a bit of a transition from engineer through to you know, running a company. Yeah, got all bases covered there. Um, Jeff, I seem to remember, were you associated with, um, it was copper, but a similar sort of project in the sense it was on an island over in Indonesia? Yeah, that's and that's, that's where the transition sort of started. As I said, mm. when I was in the metal trading company, we were financing... That particular it was the Wetar Copper Project oh, in Indonesia, right. mm-hmm. and it was on a remote island in Indonesia. Just uh, yeah, um, so it made sort of similar logistics issues that we're going to we're going to um, have in the Solomons in terms mm-hmm. of getting equipment and materials and, okay, and so. people in to do the work. So, so my background, you know, started in that 
type of project. So we, we're using that knowledge and I've got a another executive on the team in Pacific Nickel, Rob Thompson, who actually was on that same project as well. So mm-hmm. so we're both very uh, confident. We, we understand the logistics and, and getting developing a project in this kind of situation. Now, the Solomons, um, Colossori, uh, I said it was the most advanced. Uh, fill us in on its location and just what you've got there in terms of uh, resource to date. Yeah, well, the Colossori project's on, as you said in the intro, um, on Isabel Island, which is just north of the capital, um, of Guadalcanal in the Solomons, and, and it's a, a, a basically a, an island which has got mainly fishing villages dotted around the outside, but not much in the inside. Mm-hmm. the The project itself is only five hundred meters to a couple of k's in from the coast, so logistically that makes uh, a lot of sense for us. So there's not much um, transporting a DSO material. Mm-hmm. through to the coast and DSO means direct ship or so we just dig it up and then uh, put it onto barges and ship it out to China as you said to you know, the end users being RKF plants so yeah on Isabel Island um, certainly you know makes it convenient in that stage and the reason we're going for the Colossori project first is that it's higher grade than our other projects so it sits at about its average grade is about 1.5%, mm-hmm. which is what the average grade is that they ship out of the Philippines. So we've right. got a very similar product to the Philippines. So we know the product's good. We don't have an issue with that. So for us, it's quite a what we'd call a relatively easy project in that it's basically just mine quarrying operation, getting it to the coast, putting onto barges, and then transship, and then shipping it through to China. So, but it all comes down to logistics and and dealing. And dealing in the Solomons, essentially. So that's the kind of project we've got. And we've got 6 million tonnes there at Colossori mm-hmm. at the moment with the current exploration, and we're looking to increase that. The throughput rate is going to be around 1.3 million tonnes per annum. So we're looking at a five- or six-year project to start off with, which is you know sort of a, a decent start. And the payback on the, on the project is about one year, so that's all we need to define to get going. But... We expect to define more resources as we get into it. And the current exploration we're doing is mainly focused on converting resources into reserves. Right. So that's the, the primary focus at the moment there. Uh, the other project, Jojovi, um, yep. you've just announced a resource. Be great for you to run through that for investors today. Yeah, look, it's they're sort of cookie-cutter projects, I'll call them. You know, mm-hmm. Same process. Um, we're going to do one after the other. We don't want to do two projects in the Solomons at the same time. We could if we had the wherewithal, but at this stage, we'd like to get going on Colossori and then we'll follow up with Jajavo probably the following year. Um, so the, so we've just announced uh, our maiden resource on that. And we left. We, we knew what the resource was, but we didn't come out with it until we had got the PL um, extended for another couple of years. And that was just to show some certainty about you know how we're dealing in the Solomons and dealing, making sure we've got all the, the right um, titles in place before we are announcing something. So mm. as part of that, you would have seen that you know we extended that prospecting license for another two years. So that gave us the confidence that you know we can manage through the the system in the Solomon Islands, but also do things correctly and get the right titles. So we wanted to only define that resource once we had clear title to that. And the resource itself is, yeah, very similar to the Colossori. It's slightly bigger one, but it's further away from the coast. So in terms of when you, you know, look at the best project to start off with, the one closest to the coast is the one we're going for first. So you're sort of building a a case here for a 10-year-plus sort of operation. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Look, 
that's the two projects. We've got five to six years now for both of them. If you look at that resource, it's going to be very similar for Jajavo mm-hmm. as the Colossori. And yes, we're you know building up to uh, you know an eight to ten year life out of both of them. And then you know through the island, that same island is a ho- it's a whole nickel belt through that that sort of lower section of um, Isabel Island. So there's other prospecting licenses that we can try to apply for or acquire. And that'll be, you know, in the future. But as with anything, you start off with what you've got. And we've got two good projects that certainly define a lot of value for us as a company. But once we've demonstrated that we've got the ability to, you know, develop those and show how it's done, you know, the government's very keen looking at us to make sure we do this. And they've already said, look, if you guys can do this properly, you know, there's more, you know, more for you to do in the future. So, you know, we're taking that on board, but, you know, we're concentrating on what we've got and there's enough at the moment to develop to, you know, very valuable projects. Uh, you mentioned uh, it's DSO, so uh, low yeah. cap costs and quick startup. But I was just wondering, is yeah. it possible at this stage to give us a feel for what the likely cap X might be? Yeah, look, we announced those recently in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so the capital is $20 million US roughly for each project. Mm-hmm. And that's to construct a mining camp and build a, a wharf close to the coast and get mining operations started. So, and as I said, that's about a one year payback. So that's, you know, quite a. Uh, what you'd like to do in sort of a, a country like the Solomons to get going is to have that sort of payback. So that's the sort of thing. And then our operating costs to deliver one tonne of ore are roughly sort of 17 or $18 US a tonne. And then the trans, the shipping, the barging is sort of, sort of roughly um, $5 a tonne. And then we've got shipping and then we sell into China as a, as a price going in. Yeah, would would give investors a bit of a feel for what the margin uh, could look like. Yeah, look, at the moment, the pricing in China's for the 1.5% nickel that we talked about is roughly sort of $90 US a tonne. Right. So, you know, major cost is actually shipping, and the shipping at the moment is quite high at $30 a tonne. Yep. So, you know, you work backwards from there from 90 to to take off the 30, you're you're down to 60, sort of 50 to 60, mm-hmm. and our you know operating costs are around you know 25. So, you know when we're looking at the economics of the project, we're sort of always working on you know anything above 20 US dollars a ton. Yeah, is sort of the the margin that we'd be looking for, because we'll always mm-hmm. we've got it depends on the grade you want to put on, but that's the kind of margins we're looking at. Yeah, and if we're delivering you know 1.3 million tons out of each operation. Roughly, and it can be somewhere between 1.3 to 1.5 is the natural sort of range for these kind of projects. Then, you know, we're looking at 1.3 times your, your 20 is, you know, sort of, um, you know, 30 million tonne, 30 million dollars US mm. out of each project. So you're talking 60 million dollars free cash, you know, before you got all the royalties and obviously tax. But you know, for a market cap of 17, you, you can do the numbers and see there's plenty of yeah, upside. That's the crunch company. of the, uh, yeah. Yeah. the crunch of it. You know, over five years, it's sort of at least plus. You know, there's certainly some value there, and that's what we're trying to achieve. But it's all the development risk, and we've got to finance it and all the rest of it. So, but there's certainly the prize is worth with going for. So where are you at with in terms of, say, mining lease application and timetable for development? Yeah, timetable, as I said, we're doing Colossori first. Mm-hmm. Um, we've put in the mining lease application. Mm-hmm. We've just put in uh, or about to put in the environmental impact statement for as part of it. And they're the two sort of part of the, the mining lease application. You put a feasibility study, which we've, we've put in, and 
the EIS environmental impact statements going in. With those in place, it's the government is fast tracking these projects because they need the the capital, they need the investment. Mm. So they've already told us, look, with as long as you've put in the the right kind of documentation, you've got credible people doing the work. You know, they're basically saying they're fast tracking this, and they're they're saying that we might get a mining lease for Colossuri by the end of the year, mm. in the next three months or so. Mm. Mm. So that's you know that's what we're working on, but we don't. In terms of our construction timetable, we don't need to construct. We don't want to construct that project until sort of April next year because you do have a, a wet season over mm-hmm. there between sort of January and, and March, right. and you really don't want to start a project or start constructing something in the wet. And when it rains, it does rain over there pretty hard. So, so we're waiting for the what we call the dry season, and that starts in April. So we've got that amount of time to you know to get the mining lease in place. But obviously, you know, our financing of the project does rely on having the mining lease in place. So we're hoping it will come through in the next, you know, by the end of the year. And the government is very supportive of us. And so, and they've 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 said, you know, we've done everything correctly so far, and they're enjoying that we're, you know, in for instance, on the exploration side that we're currently doing. You know, we've got all locals doing the drilling, managed by locals, everything. So they're very happy with our approach to it as well, in terms of the country. I was just going to ask about that. I've noticed in the comp- uh, company's literature that you put a great uh, focus on using local geos, local drilling contractors, and that the landowners are aligned. Now, we are talking Solomons mm. where some people, most people would be aware that there's been some uh, troubled operations there in the past. I'm just wondering, is this, a, is this the new Solomons and what, why is it you put such importance on using local uh, labour materials? Yeah, it's it's not the new Solomons. It's just it's always been the case where, you know, having your landowners on side is always an important part of it, and it's even become more you know prevalent these days. So, mm. and we've done that always. You know, in the mining projects, you always you've got to make sure everyone's like all everyone's happy in terms of state. You know, all the stakeholders are. In this particular case, you know, part of the, the previous issues, I'd say, with other people trying to, to get things done was not necessarily having the landowners fully engaged yeah. or incentivized. Mm-hmm. And we've done that by giving them a 20% carried interest in the projects. Right. So okay. they certainly do the, you know, get the benefits. They'll be able to use that for their own benefit. And, you know, in, and so... So it's been a very important part of, you know, incentivising them to, to make sure everything is done properly. And I think that's the new thing. But also, once you get the landowners, you know, incentivised and onside and happy with the way you do it, the approach you're doing, mm. then then you get the provincial government onside, which is the Isabel government, and they're happy. And then you get the national government. So it actually is bottom-up driven, <laughs> yeah. even though the, 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 the government has the, the authority to, to, to allow you to do things. But, you know, that's... That's a different approach to what we're going to take. We don't want to go that way. We're, we're doing the bottom-up approach, and the landowners are actually very supportive, and they're making sure the national government actually does things as quickly as possible. Mm, yeah, the bottom-up approach, uh, obviously very different to uh, uh, Bougainville's issues, what, 20, 30 years ago. It was the other way around. The uh, locals, landowners, and then the provincial government were saying, well, we're not seeing any ben- benefits of it. They're all going mm. onto, onto the mainland. So you've kind of reversed that. And- 
uh, make sure the locals uh, participate at the equity level as well as, I presume, jobs and supplies. Yes, and that's exactly right. Yeah, and that's part of our ESG is to make sure that we're engaging, you know, as most of the, the locals as we can and training and all the rest of it. So it's all part of the education and, and putting some of the facilities in that comes in with a mining project mm, okay. in terms of health and schooling and, and churches and, and you know, what the community, you know, is looking to, to transform these particular uh, these the villages and stuff that we're we're, we're mining nearby. Mm, okay, but, but you know, part of that also is there's it's this we're not actually impacting on any of the the the, the people. We're not displacing anyone or anything like that. So in terms no, that's of always environmental, yeah. yeah, we don't have those issues as well. It's one of the benefits of where we are. I was just going to ask the. I think it would be a great idea. As I say, I think everyone here understands the LME nickel market, but what should investors look out for in terms of the DSO market? It's uh, fairly opaque, but can you monitor where the DSO market's going through the LME price? Is there some sort of uh, connectivity there? Yeah, there, there is. It's, it's not direct. You know, it is, as you say, it's, there's a sort of, we, there's, you can use some sort of um, rules of thumb. I suppose yeah. rules of thumb at the moment. And most of the pricing is done out of the Philippines, because the Philippines is, as I said, is this similar product. That's where most of the DSO material now comes from because Indonesia's closed its you know, borders to exporting and they're producing the, the pig iron in country through the RKF plants themselves with mm. the Chinese investment. But So where we, similar to the Philippines and DSO material through to those RKF plants into China, and you know they are they, they're 80% of, of the market going in so in terms of pricing you know we start with their pricing and that's what you see on there's some groups like um, um, some of the, the marketing groups you know mm. publish those results that you can pay for and get so we've got those but so but what that sort of number is it's about 30 percent of for and for, for a 1.5 is about 30 percent of the lme price mm-hmm. is what you get delivered into china okay so i call that the cif price into china and then obviously you've got to then start and take off the shipping and get back to our, you know, FOB price kind of thing. So, so that's how you can look at it. But it's you know, it's as I said, you know, we work on a thirty percent nickel yep. value mm-hmm. as the, the rule of thumb. No, that's useful. That's useful. And uh, just on shipping, uh, I think you mentioned thirty dollars a ton before. I think everyone acknowledges that's a bit of an aberration at the moment. Well, I'm hoping it is, and <laughs> we're certainly we're certainly pricing all our. You know, you got to look at the the DSO market. Also, is you know the cost of getting the nickel into China. So you know mm. whether the nickel pro- that that price has gone up to reflect higher higher shipping is also you know an element you've got to 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 look at and whether you know it's a bit of a margin game so whether you know if the shipping goes down that the pricing might go down but we're pretty confident the materials required and when as i yeah. said we're looking at those margins and those margins have been fairly consistent you know yeah. through yeah. ever since we started looking at those projects so yeah the best thing for us would be the nickel price staying up and as you said the, the shipping price comes down because then our margins just increase dramatically and mm. you know as an example when we started looking at these projects a year and a half ago, the shipping price were assumptions were sort of seventeen or eighteen dollars a ton, and now they're thirty. Yeah. But mm. but fortunately for us, the the nickel price has gone up even more than that, you know, yeah. relatively. So. Yeah. But yeah, but I think the, the main thing is that the demand is certainly there for the product. The only the only then these RKF plants still need this for the stainless steel industry, and we're an alternative supplier. So I think we're in a pretty good spot. All right, Jeff, just uh, bring it all together and uh, give investors a bit of a wrap-up. Uh, what should they be looking out for in uh, the coming months? 
Well, I think we, we touched on the mining lease, you know, application for Colossori is probably the, the main one, is the mm -hmm. main sort of next milestone that we, we need. And at the moment, we're working on um, the financing of the Colossori project. And the main source of financing for that is an off-take partner, either a trader or an end user, you know, to, to come in to help finance the project. And that'll be certainly something we're doing in parallel. And we need those funds in place for you know, first construction um, in sort of April next year. Right. We're thinking of doing some early works at the start at the end of this year just to get going. But at the end of the day, you know, that's really going to be our time frame is planning to get developing the project in sort of April next year. And that, that'll be a six to seven month kind of project. And then, you know, first shipment of, of, um, of the DSO material later in the year with a bit mm -hmm. of luck. Mm -hmm. is, is the grand plan and while we're doing that we'll be working on um, a mining lease application for the second project Jajavo and doing the feasibility work for that and that's pretty much as I said cookie cutter style so you know we've done most of the work anyway so it'll just be modifying that to suit its location and then the expectation is that if we get Colossori done developed in the the way we think then the, the Jajavo project will essentially, you know, follow a year later yeah. in mm -hmm. the same sort of planning. So, you know, we'd be looking at Jajavo in in April 2023 with a with an element of you know getting that going. But we'll just see how it goes. We just want to make sure we get one project right before we commit to the second project, and mm -hmm. and also financing reasons because once we get the the cash in from one, obviously it'll be a different kind of financing proposition as opposed to the first one. All right, there you go, folks. A very interesting emerging story with uh, production not that far off. Watch out for that uh, offtake financing deals uh, before too long and uh, expect a re-rating around that for sure. So with that, Jeff, thanks for taking the time to explain it all to us today and uh, wish you all the best with it. Thanks, Barry. Cheers. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.